Miracy. Hey, I'm Fred Diamond, and you're listening to Making It. I run the Institute for Excellence in Sales. I'm also the host of the popular Sales Game Changers podcast. The mission of the Institute for Excellence in Sales is to help sales leaders attract, retain, motivate, and elevate top-tier sales professionals. I'm excited to be on today's show. You know, my father was an accountant. My mother was in in uh, philanthropy, although she wasn't really a salesperson per se. What actually happened was when I went to work in my very, very first job, I was a technical editor at McGraw-Hill Publishing, and I sat next to the salespeople. And I saw them hustle, and I saw how they talked to their customers. And I came to the realization relatively quickly that if we didn't have these amazing people out there selling the technical documents that we were creating, that there really was no purpose for us. And I wouldn't have a job and the company wouldn't be around. So I started asking the salespeople questions. I started following them on sales calls, which they were very gracious to allow me to go on. And then when I went to Apple Computer, my first job in technology, I realized that the salespeople were, were truly the stars. Of course, product people as well, but in the field, it was the salespeople who were making things happened. They were dealing with the customer and they also had great lives. Yeah, most of them that were successful had achieved a lot in their careers. And a lot of it was because of the work they were doing to help their customers achieve their mission. So people think I'm a great salesperson and I run the IES Institute for Excellence in Sales and host the podcast, Sales Game Changers. I wasn't a natural salesperson growing up. So in 2002, I went to work for myself. And after OneSoft, I worked for another data storage company that raised about $10 million. In February of 2002, it was apparent, and I could tell a huge story about the fact that this company didn't have products. It raised a lot of money with the promise of bringing some unique, what was called network-attached storage to the marketplace. The reality was they didn't know how to really bring products to market. So they raised a lot of money and quickly flushed through it. In February of 2002, I was called to the office by the new CEO, and he said, you need to bring your laptop. So obviously, I knew I was getting laid off. So they fired everybody except for one person in customer support. And as I'm driving away from the building, I called my then wife, and I said, NSS just closed. And she said, great, you could find a better job. And I said, nope, I'm going to figure out how to make this on my own. I said, I've seen too many people be successful. I don't want to go work for another company. I worked at Apple Computer. 10 years ago, the best company in the world, and I just got laid off by one of the worst. I said, I'm sure that I could figure it out on my own. So that began that journey. There's an author named Daniel Pink, who some of your audience might be familiar with. He wrote a book, his first book was called Free Agent Nation. And basically it was about the premise of working for yourself as what is now known as a fractional employee. And I was telling everybody my vision for this. And everybody was telling me, Fred, you're going to be so successful. You're so smart. You worked at Apple and Compaq. You know more about marketing than anybody. You're going to be great. And here's the observation. I had no clients. So if everyone's telling me how great I am and, and I wasn't getting any clients, uh, people were telling me, how can I help you? I, you're going to be great. I'd love to help you. But six months into the gig, I literally had no clients. And the most impactful day of my career, it was July 17th, 2002, 
I was at a Panera Bread in Northern Virginia in an area known as Tyson's Corner. It's the business hub for the DC area. And I was talking to a woman who worked for a company called Administaff. They're now called Insperity. They were outsourced HR and, and payroll and things like that. And I'm telling her my shtick, and this might've been the 60th time I've told the story. Here's what I'm hoping to do. I understand the marketing process, blah, blah, blah. And at that moment, I had this epiphany. It was two o'clock in the afternoon. And I realized I was meeting people three times a day at Panera Bread. I'm eating a lot of sweet coffee. I'm eating a lot of bagels. And at that moment, I had this epiphany. I said, I'm in sales. I said, I'm not in marketing, even though my service is marketing. I said, I am in sales for Fred Diamond's marketing services. And in the middle of the conversation with, with, uh, with this woman from Administaff, it was like an epiphany. Literally, light bulbs went off. And as I'm telling you the story, I said, you know what? I'm doing this the wrong way. I said, you got to help me sell my services. Or let's, let's talk about ways that I can sell my services, my marketing consulting services. And then let's talk about some ways that I can help you sell your outsourced HR services. And then I started doing things like trading contact lists with people. You know, you make 10 referrals for me, I'll make 10 referrals for you. We started doing seminars in people's offices where we would each invite five people. And that's when I realized, yeah, I'm a marketing consultant, but I'm really in sales of my marketing consulting services. I then started being more proactive. I didn't spend time like I was on the website and crafting emails. I spent time on identifying who can physically write a check for me to be their outsourced marketing consultant. So I got very, very focused on who my specific target was. And I also got very, very focused on engaging in conversations. And sales is all about the continuation of conversations that were going to lead to some type of transactions. And two of my clients led to 10-year engagements, that retained engagements that continued month over month. And, you know, it was the right thing for the customers. And it was a good thing for me in a lot of ways. Marketing does a lot of telling. Our services are great. Here's some other people saying why our services are great. Here's some information to show you that we understand your challenge. Sales is really at the end of the day, it's about asking, will you become a customer? And that means that you know you need to make some type of financial investment for us to do our services for you. It's a mindset shift. Mind, marketing and sales are two completely different functions, as is PR and communications for that matter as well. When did I think I made it? Uh, I don't, I, I still think I have a long ways to go. I have a friend, his name is Jim Peterick. He's the lead songwriter for the band Survivor. He wrote songs like Eye of the Tiger and uh, all of Survivor's hits. He wrote 38 specials, monster hit, Hold On Loosely. And I became friends with him and I asked him, what is your greatest song that you've ever written? And he's in his 70s. He says, I haven't written it yet. So I kind of view things the same way. I'm not setting my retirement in a year. A lot of people appreciate the service and the the work that I do leading the Institute for Excellence in Sales. And I'm grateful that we've had so many customers along the way. And I don't want to get stuck in the moment where, you know, I think I've made it because there's so much more that we can possibly do. What we do at the Institute for Excellence in Sales is we help sales leaders 
attract, retain, motivate, and elevate top tier sales talent. And that challenge hasn't gone away. It's still a challenge that every sales leader is facing. The world has changed so much over the last two years. So how people are going to be selling post-pandemic is going to be radically, in a lot of ways, different than it was two years ago and how it's been a year ago. So it's an evolving uh, target. I work with uh, one of the, the people on my team who runs our women in sales program. We like to end every conversation with, we can do better. So even though people applaud us and people participate, we have such high standards that we're always striving for more. But you know, sometimes you have to accept that people appreciate what you're doing and that people see value in it and you have to let that in. And it's not easy, to be honest with you, for me to do that. But there are times when I will allow it to sink in, but then you got to keep going. So you need to constantly show value. You need to constantly show that you're communicating it the right way. You're constantly helping my customers get better at sales to the example we can do. And it's great when they want to come to our programs and we have full rooms and, and people accept our awards. You can't stay still. You can't you know, accept the fact that you've made it. You have to keep striving, but it's also a good thing to, to realize that people see the value in what you're doing. Hey, I'm Fred Diamond. You've been listening to Making It. You can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place. I'm there every day. Or you can go to my website at i4esbd.com. The letter I, the number four, esbd.com. Making It is part of the Mirror CFM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Course Lab and Just Between Coaches. This episode of Making It was produced by Danny Bermant and Jeff Govertson. Cynthia Lamb is a supervising producer. Danny Innie is our executive producer. Post-production by Post Office Sound. So you catch the great episodes that are coming up on Making It, go ahead and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.